Welcome to the Nat and Sarah Show, where we aim to touch, move, and inspire you every single week. Really? We're really going to introduce our own show? Maybe we should leave it to the pro. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay. One second, ladies. Here we go. Sarah Maxwell and Natalie Cook are experts in visualization and deliberate use of the law of attraction. As dynamic world athletes representing Canada and Australia in beach volleyball, they honed in on achievement at the highest level. Winning an Olympic gold medal on her home beach of Bondi is a pinnacle example. Their powerful techniques transmute the spiritual to the tangible, allowing thousands of their community members to bring their vision boards to life. Recently, they've taken their expertise on the road as the full-time family, where they inspire, coach, and lead people to create their unique, deliberate family life using a simplified three-step process. Welcome to the Nat and Sarah Show. Join us for twice-weekly episodes. Each week, Nat and Sarah will teach us how to deliberately create results in all areas of life using their unique three-step process. Not only that, they'll also sit down with some of their favorite high achievers who have manifested what most merely dream about. Are you a member of the community? Go to bit.ly slash the Nat and Sarah show to download your three-step journal to follow along with each workshop style teaching episode and get ready to take action on your inspirations. Today, we continue the conversation with a man who worked for telcos, fintech, and software companies and consulted for big players in Australia like NRMA and Suncorp, only to choose complete fulfillment as a full-time dad. Realizing that his two kids were young and that he didn't want to miss a minute of it, he shelved his double master's degrees and replaced them with chai colada instead. If you don't know what a chai colada is, just wait for a conversation. You will, because he'll talk about it. So this man, he zooms in and out of the daycare space like an OG. If you don't know what that word means, you'll know by the end of the call too. And he goes right into wheeling and dealing boutique cafes with his chai startup, his advising in the UAV space. I also had to Google that. And boutique property development. I was drawn to this man instantly. I could feel that John Solomon was no ordinary Indian man and that he had life coursing through his veins and I needed to know more about it. Not in the creepy way, in the kind of, this guy's got something going on kind of way. So here we are able to sit down and really uncover what allowed him to transition out of the stereotypical success role and into one that is filled with one kid on the hip, the other banging away on his drums, while dad incessantly makes snacks, the life of having young kids. So look, John, I truly appreciate your taking a moment out of daddy daycare while the little man sleeps to share with our community of dreamers. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Sarah. I really appreciate it. Awesome. Now you don't go all sullen on me. You make sure that you are <laughs> that hilarious guy that I met. You won't be able to resist it. I know it. Yep. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll warm up to you guys eventually. It's my uh, first, well, by the way, heads up guys. It's my first podcast. So go easy on me. Uh-huh. Well, no, I feel like I want to ramp it up. So right, bring it. Okay. Let's see. Here he goes. Guys, you hear it? The OG is starting. So growing up in India and the U S I'm curious, like what did your dream look like of 
when you grow up, you know, in my world growing up in our, my culture, in the Western world, it's always like, what do you want to be when you grow up? Is that what you had? Did people ask you that question when you were a little kid? Yeah. So, um, I guess living in India, I come from a pretty um, orthodox family in terms of my mom and dad had a love marriage. My mom was Catholic, my dad was Protestant. So that way we were kind of like almost outcast from both families because we weren't accepted. Mm -hmm. So, but at the same time, my mom was a single mom bringing us up. My dad was in the States, you know, working to get bills paid and, you know, send it back home to India so that my mom could look after us. So there was a lot of pressure as me as, uh, I guess, the oldest um, or eldest to kind of perform and, you know, make something of myself. And there's a stereotype in India where you have to be an engineer, a doctor, an accountant, something along those lines. Anything else that doesn't fit into those buckets um, isn't acceptable. So there was a lot of pressure as to what do you want to become? Um, and I guess the question nobody asked me grow, growing up was what makes me happy? Hmm. Um, and yeah, to answer your question in short, there was a lot of expectations, you know, either you want to be a software engineer, do you want to be, it's all those uh, college jobs um, that expect you to grind 40 to 60 hours a week and then come home and then you're miserable or maybe you're happy. Uh, but it's one of those things that I could, I could never quite understand. And as just as a kid as well, I used to push back and ask like, why am I learning calculus? I'm never going to use this. <laughs> or why do I want to know what chemical bonds are? <laughs> um, it was less along the lines of, um, you know, you know, what what's the real world application? It was a lot of, it was a lot of theory and less practical applications of that which I challenged as a kid, mm -hmm. and uh, it wasn't welcomed. <laughs> in India because um, if I I don't know how much you know about India or how much your listeners know about India but it's it's a very um, it's almost I would say like communism over there in a way really um, yeah where it's one person calls the shots and if you kind of step out of line you're in kind of trouble hmm. so I was always in trouble yeah I get why you're in Australia because you're yes. like a little, you're a little rebel at heart so I, can... I, I fled <laughs> I fled, I fled the country. I fled awesome. the country. You're so funny. Okay, so just so you know, I also wondered what the heck chemical bonds were about and also calculus. So I asked these same questions growing up. So good to know. There's a common bond there. Yes. Um, so, no pun intended. Yeah, I know. That was, I, I, I laughed at myself, so that was good. <laughs> um, because, okay, but back to something. You said people we're curious about what you would do when you grow up, but nobody asked you what would make you happy. Do you remember at that age, knowing that there was something off about the striving, the, the, the assumption that certain kind of education, a certain kind of job was the only way. Do you, back then, do you remember going, I don't know, something just feels off about this. Um, yeah, yeah, I think almost every day, because every time I was forced to open a book to study, or every time I was told, look at this person's son, or look at this person's daughter, they're doing so well in life. Uh, there was always that pressure to become someone that I didn't want to be. And I guess what I guess puzzled me even more was, I didn't know what I wanted to be myself. Sometimes I still don't. Um, 
I think it's uh, that changes every day, it changes um, every month, it changes every year. That that vision of a perfect person. So as a kid, yeah, I used to always question that and wonder, you know, what is what is it that people want me to become? Wow. Yeah. Do you ever have a memory of a vision that you had that seems so out of um, what was allowed? Uh, maybe like a dream that just it's too crazy. And so, do you remember any of those? I guess um, it's less about the dream and more about the feeling. Okay. Um, I've always, because um, my dreams change, you know, dreams evolve, mm -hmm. but the feeling, uh, the underlying feeling um, of kind of happiness and giving and fulfillment is something that I've always wanted to hold on to because that gets me to the good times and it gets me to the bad times. Mm. So as a kid, um, I used to always hold on to that feeling of what does bliss feel like for me? What does happiness feel like for me? Hmm. Uh, and it wasn't most of the time, actually 99% of the time, it wasn't monetary. And as I grew up, I realized money doesn't make me happy. Yes, it gets you nice things, but at the end of the day, it's a means to an end. And it's, you know, I'm not fulfilled by that. Yes, I feel successful. It's a uh, tangible money, you know, it, it lets you know if you're hitting goals, hitting targets, but hmm that feeling of fulfillment doesn't come from money. And I've, uh, I've learned that literally in the past two years doing all these startups. Wow. So before this, the, you know, okay. So you, you get the education, you kind of start to fulfill this expectation. You do the double degree, uh, the double masters, you know, you kind of, you're right in there being the perfect Indian son. Yeah. And then you're working in the tech space and you're consulting for big companies and even in Australia, what did the, how did the unhappiness or the unrest manifest itself? How did you know that, Hey, this game that everyone around me is playing is, is not the game I want to play. Yeah. I guess it's less, uh, it's not really about unhappiness. It was me questioning, um, do I want to keep doing this? Do I, cause I was, I guess happiness is a state of mind. Um, and I was still enjoying what I was doing. At the same time, I was asking myself, is this it? Um, am I supposed to be working my butt off for someone else who's, you know, not only making money, but at the same time, I don't have my time? Because for me, freedom doesn't equal money. Freedom equals time. Hmm. Um, so I think the most people that are wealthy, they own their time and they have money. And that's my definition of wealth. Hmm. Uh, being able to have enough so when I put my hand in my pocket, I'm never short. Um, yes, it'd be great to have a jet, but Seriously, who would go on a jet every day? I'd rather take my kids out to the park every day. Beautiful. So, um, yeah, it's one of the things. Less, it was less about uh, being unhappy, but more about asking myself as to, like, am I actually living to my full expectation? Am I doing what I love? And the answer was no. I wasn't doing what I loved. I was doing what society expected of me. I was doing what my mom wanted so that she could tell her friends that her son is working for this company, you know, he's making so much of money. It's a big thing in India uh -huh. when you kind of talk, uh, talk about stuff like that. And with all, um, you know, hats off to my mom. She, I, she's been my mom. She's been my dad. She's been my brother, sister, everything. She's been my, she's, uh -huh. she's basically, somebody asked me, do you believe in God? I said, I believe in good. I don't believe in God. Uh -huh. I'm, um, I'm spiritual, not religious. But if you were to ask me, the closest thing to God would be my mom. Wow. Yeah, so I did a lot of this. Work. Your mom would not know what to do with that comment because <laughs> your mom, sorry. I, lo I love that, what you just said, but I was just 
um, a picturing your mom trying to rectify how beautiful that statement was without feeling bad about it being how devout she is. Clearly, you don't know my mom. She'd probably ask me to go to church on Sunday. <laughs> exactly. But, but I would do that too for her, you know, just to let yeah. her know because it's faith that got her through so much. Mm. And faith and spirituality is something that's constantly evolving and growing as individuals. I've known what, what my belief of, or what my, I guess, understanding of faith and God was 10 years ago. It's totally different now. Mm. So it's constantly evolving. So I'd be, it would be arrogant of me to say that I'm right and someone else is wrong. I believe everyone has a right to believe what they believe, but this is my journey and this is what I believe in. Um, yeah, so my, uh, that's why I went and did all those things to prove to my mom that your hard work hasn't gone in vain. You Got have it. raised a good boy. I've done what I have to, but at the end of the day, this doesn't make me happy. Yeah. It doesn't uh, fulfill me. So when you're having this realization, this is pretty big, you know, because you find your life, you're sort of sitting in one camp and you're starting to get that, I might want to change camps here. And so um, how does that conversation happen in your family? You know, like, how do you go from, hun, I work in the tech space, but maybe I'll take the kids to the park tomorrow forever. Like, how does that happen? How do you have that conversation? I guess um, it's one of those conversations that doesn't happen in a day. It's an observation. Um, it's a lot of, because uh, as you know, any relationship, uh, it has its ups and downs. At the same time, it's about give and take and it's about understanding your other half. Mm-hmm. Um, but even with, I think with parents, it's a bit more difficult because my I got a great relationship with my dad where literally I can tell him this is happening and he'll support me no matter what. Mm-hmm. He's one of those parents that he just, he will give his, he'll weigh in with his two cents, but he won't enforce it. My mom, on the other hand, will straight away say, I'm an idiot. She'll shoot me down straight away. So I think for my mom, it's one of those things is I had to prove something to her before I tell her. It's not that I want to be, um, do everything in stealth mode. It's just that it can be quite discouraging when your God is shutting you down. Hmm. <laughs> so yeah, I didn't quite tell my mom till a very long time. Uh, yeah, in terms of um, with my wife, um, uh, it was a conversation and it was like, let's see how this goes. And also there's, a, um, if there's an exit strategy, there's a, there's a time box, we're time boxing this to make sure it'll work. Yeah. Uh, because at the end of the day, it's, you know, somebody has to pay the bills. Hmm. So it's, uh, yeah, the conversations are never easy, but the conversations are necessary. Yeah. And as long as confrontation happens from a place of care, uh, and, you know, if the intent is good, I think yeah. the outcome will be equally good. And were there some painful moments? Because like you said, it didn't happen all at once. Um, what are some of the, I know there's some tears shed over this. And so, I mean, I met you in, you know, probably after some of this. Two days ago? Two days ago? <laughs> yeah. The tears are meeting you. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just got that. Yeah. So, so, you know, if you're okay with it, like, I'd like, to, I'd love to hear a little about some of the, the painful moments to move through what everybody expects from you and actually yeah. living, you know, in presence with your kids. Yeah. I think a lot of uh, people that I speak to are on this journey of, oh, I've run out of time after they have kids 
and at least I at least I can speak for myself that that was it made me get off my butt. And I'll share a story, mm-hmm. if that's okay. If I have some time, I love that. It, it, it's a um, somebody once told me this that there was this man walking his um, walking his dog, and he passes this old guy on a rocking chair with another dog, and the dog's like he's howling. Oh, maybe that's a horrible dog sound, but yeah, <laughs> he's howling. So he asked the guy, the guy walking, asked the guy in the rocking chair, he goes, um, hey buddy, why is your dog um, howling and moaning? And he goes, oh, he looks at his dog and he says, yeah, because he's sitting on a nail. And he goes, oh, then why doesn't he get up if it hurts? And he goes, it doesn't hurt bad enough. So I guess uh, before kids, it was hurting, uh, but it didn't hurt bad enough for me to get off my butt and do anything. But after kids, I asked my question, like, what legacy am I going to leave them? How am I going to ask them to challenge the norm and, uh, you know, be outspoken and follow their dreams if I'm not? Hmm. So it kind of pushed me to say, all right, let's do this. And through that process, um, uh, I'd be lying if I said there were no nights where I was in my, you know, between four walls looking at the ceiling, wondering what's going on. Is this ever going to go ahead? Um, there's a lot of be behind every successful person or every person who is on stage talking to people where you can actually connect with them. I think there's a, there's a deep story and people connect with that, um, deep story more than anything. Mm -hmm. The story may not have to be said out loud, but the words, the story actually, uh, are the roots, I would say behind the words that, you know, that they're speaking. Mm-hmm. So there is a lot of pain. There is a lot of uh, uncertainty. There is a lot of doubt. I guess all you got to push through is that feeling of bliss and happiness is what kind of gets uh, gets me through at least. Sometimes you just got to call it a day and, you know, just go to bed. Well, what are, uh, what are the doubts? Like what comes up for you? Um, you know, will, will my projects work? Uh, you know, what will I be leaving for my kids? Um, you know, will people like, for example, uh, with my Chai, um, startup, um, I had no knowledge about design. I had no knowledge about food. Um, all I knew is that I was passionate about food and I want to bring something to, uh, the Australian market first, and then hopefully the world where, uh, I can put a smile on people's faces. And that's my mission statement. I want to make Chai cool. Um, and when I say that was, it wasn't money and money is necessary because at the end of the day, it's just a hobby. If your business is making you money. Mm. Um, but my, my why is I want to make people smile when they have that first cup of chai uh, of mine or, you know, when oh. they make that first dessert, which I said, that's my goal. Recently um, I did a chai masterclass and just the smiles and people, the understanding of chai and what possibility um, and the opportunities and what the, what the things they could do with Chai and their feedback was so overwhelming that it made me realize that, oh, I am doing something good. So just before like this, I'm, I, so I wanted to make sure um, this, this was a, something that I could make money off. So in November, I made this decision. I gave myself three months before my birthday, March 31st, that I should have this product fully ready and gone to market right from conception to you know delivery to market and it should be making me money and yeah I got it out two weeks before my birthday I remember um, I was having dinner and I told the wife um, guess what I I set this target and it's two weeks before the birthday and the first customers already paid for it Hmm. so 
but uh, behind those three months, there were a lot of long nights. I was doing maybe for maybe 14 hours, 16 hour days. Um, because there's a lot that I didn't know and uh, just me as a person is I like to know stuff (laughs) if I'm into something I like to know and they'll and I just found out that you expect people to do the right thing but a lot of people don't know what to do Uh, and they're not afraid to say that they're afraid to say that they don't know yeah so those three months were it was like rapid fire so if somebody and I use that as a case study. A lot of people say, oh, like, um, I don't know how to do this. I said, well, neither did I. I've got something in market making me money now. Cool. So the question is, you need to start somewhere. Yeah. And how have you found this? Because I know that you consult and help a lot of people in the startup space because of your experience. And now you're right in one. Yes. How do you find, because um, you have knowledge that helps people get results. How does that translate for you and your own journey? Is it like self-coaching? Is it a bit of a different relationship? How do you sort of like use all that stuff that you know that you used with big companies on yourself? Um, I'm a huge believer in practicing what I preach. Um, so I go to big companies and I, my, my philosophy is kind of simple. It's not about um, how are you going to do stuff? It's about why you're doing this in the first place. And for me, that word value is really crucial mm-hmm. at the heart of everything, whether it's, you know, end user value, whether it's business value is like, why, why are we doing this? Um, are you doing it purely for money? Cause then we're going to fail. And a lot of people shoot me off because of that. But I've seen that when I've actually translating back into my product is that's what I do. Cause um, I'm the, I'm a sole person that runs the show. Uh, I get help from um, my wife, uh, but most of the time, 99% of the time, it's a lot of me. It's a heavy lifting is done by me. Mm-hmm. So I have to be the hist- the hustler, the hipster and the hacker um, <laughs> in an organization. And any, any, I guess any startup has a hipster, hustler and a hacker. And I'm doing all three. I've got to write that down. Hipster, hustler, hacker, oh, hacker. And a, and a hacker, Hus- yeah. Hustler and a hustler. And a oh my gosh, you cracked me up. Keep going. Yeah. So, um, yeah, um, I go back to businesses uh, and kind of go back to that same kind of philosophy of let's run this lean. What does value mean to you? And before we even think about how we're going to get this, let's ask why. Mm. Um, Because um, it's basically like going, uh, it's like going to a bank and setting, speaking to your mortgage broker and giving them a target and telling them you need to sell 50 loans. That's setting them for failure. I would probably tell them, Hey, why don't we ask, how do we get people into better homes? And then that's a whole different conversation. Mm. So um, yeah, in terms of self-coaching, um, I think I follow some great people. Some I listen to a lot of more motivational speaking. I've recently got into meditation, mm-hmm. which is helping me a lot. It's because um, I guess I'm all over the place. Uh, I, I can't sit in one place, uh, but meditation is helping me do that for 20 minutes at a time, okay. <laughs> which, is, uh, which is really good. But on the flip side, I think when I, I came to Australia when I was 20, and from 22, I've been following some great people like Jim Rohn, Zig Ziglar, Les Brown, and they've been sub, like filling me with uh, subliminal messaging and always like that thing of don't give up, things will happen, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's, I guess, motivation is one of those things that you constantly need to keep feeding 
um, your mind or my mind with um, positivity. Yes. Because there's so much negativity going around. And there's so many people before I even started, they said, don't start. No one's going to buy tea from, you know, why would anyone buy tea? Isn't there like 20 teas in the market or 100 teas in the market already? Right. So I said, you know what? Hold my chai. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay, I love it. I I do. I really think that what you're sharing is really important, like knowing why you're doing something and, and gaining that clarity, which helps, you know, move through those doubtful periods, which will really speak to our audience because I think sometimes, um, it can get confusing. People are a little lost out and out to sea a little. And so the meditation um, I'm sure is helpful with that. And I just, I want to make sure that we, we kind of come, come around the bend here with this idea that looking for fulfillment, knowing even as a young boy that something was off about just getting educated for the, you know, to prove to your mom or to validate all the, all that she'd sacrifice for you. And now here you are as, as a dad to two boys. Yeah. How do you feel? And I know that's what you said about being on the nail. You said, look, now that I have kids, it's like now the pain is there enough to, I want to get off the nail. So what have you noticed um, with your relationship with them? How have you shifted? What are they noticing? Tell me a little about what, what getting off the nail has done for you as a dad. I think we've covered something along these lines earlier where I spoke about, uh, it's that oxymoron paradox where, you know, I'm doing this for my kids, but I'm so busy working that I'm not spending time with them. Mm. So I, most of the time I need to actually catch myself in the act saying, ah, the whole reason I chose this lifestyle is I could spend more time with them. I could pick them up. I could, you know, give them their butts. So it's about this, um, I would say almost disconnecting from my work and making sure I'm there with them present. I'm there with them and I'm being mindful about that. And I do all my work after they go to bed. So it is challenging because my, my day starts at like, I would say between one and three when my son's sleeping and then rest of the time from, from seven to maybe 11 or 12. But I want them to know, and I wanted to prove to myself that anything's possible if you put your mind to it. Uh, and just looking back, uh, March is going to make um, a year now coming 2020. And last year, none of this was there. Uh, like, there was no product. There was, uh, there was no story. There was no brand. All there was was uh, a guy who was defeated and didn't know what he wanted to do, but he knew he wanted to do some good. Wow. Yeah, oh, I so... didn't know that. See, I, I find this so cool that I know you today, the man who picked himself up, who said, I want to spend time with my kids. I want to be there. I want to see them drumming away. I want to be there with that. And, yeah. and be there at daycare to meet Sarah, the most amazing person, yeah. friend in your life ever. Um, but, you know, I, what I love is just that we can create the story that we've always wanted to tell. And, and I think now you're just, to me, it's, it's just who you are. And so yeah. I find it really um, 
rewarding being able to share you with other people. I instantly knew that there was real depth to you. And um, I have an affinity for Chai already. So I already knew it was him. However, I didn't know your Chai because there's a secret ingredient in there. And, um, you know, I was, I thought I was cool making my Chai, but now I get it. There's like, there's some secret sauce in it, everybody. And there's a reason why you smile at the end of the Chai, even do we tell them what a chai colada is? Was I allowed to say that? Yeah, of course. Do you want to tell yeah. them? Or oh, you don't yeah. have to give the recipe, but just give them a vibe of what it, what it is. Uh, yeah, so a chai colada is basically my signature. But before I just give the chai colada, I want to, um, if anybody does listen to this podcast and you are hurting, just keep in mind that everyone's hurting, no matter if you've got 10 bucks in the bank or you've got 10 million in the bank. It just depends on, I guess, how we pick ourselves up. And it's okay to fail as long as, you know, we acknowledge that and we try a bit harder the next day. Mm. So, yeah. And if uh, you're not alone, you know, you've got amazing people like Sarah running this podcast. You know, if anybody wants to chat, I'm here. And the thing is, there are heaps of people out there who will um, give you that little pick me up. But you got to reach out and, uh, you know, yeah, you, you got to make the first move oh, and everything else will come. So coming back to the chai colada. Yeah, so the chai colada is my signature blend. Uh, you, you boil it down and make a syrup. And once you have that awesome syrup, there's so many things you can do with that. You could have it with sparkling. You could have it with soy milk. But we also, uh, I did a masterclass the other day and uh, I introduced a chai colada to um the participants basically it's um a pinot colada version of my chai oh, so, uh, so what you use is you use a chai syrup you put some coconut milk in there with some coconut cream hit it with some malibu ice uh and then you know shake that in a cocktail shaker strain it over martini glass and sprinkle some of the chai sprinkle and you're in heaven okay did you hear now there's so much, there's so much of John in that description. Um, just so you know, everybody, he even has a signature sprinkle. Like, I think, I know that sounds like it's not important, but to me, I, the minute I heard that for me, I was like, oh man, it's all in the details because that detail is so important for the smile it on is. the face. And so um, I appreciate everything about you. I get, I'm excited for our ongoing friendship and your family and, and just what you're doing in the world. I think we're really lucky to have landed in the same daycare center as you and um, what a gift. And thank you for today. Yeah, there are no coincidences. We are here for a reason. Right on. Agree completely. So thank you. No problem. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Don't forget to join the community at bit.ly slash the Nat and Sarah show to download your three-step journal and participate in weekly lives found only in our private group. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You've got to rate and review the show. And I know all the podcasts are always asking this. And in the past, I wasn't doing it. And the reason I wasn't doing it is because I actually didn't know how to do it. So open your podcast player and click on our show from your library, not the listen now. That's where I was going wrong in the past. So now that you know how to do it, when you go there, make sure you give us a five-star review. Five stars, five stars, five stars. And then click on write a review link to actually write a review so that you can tell other people that we're legit and even funny, maybe a bit serious. 
So if you want to recommend this to someone, you have to put your fingers on the keys and send us a review. Thanks.